Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. You have tuned into the Rebel News live stream on this, a Monday, July 19th, 2021. Ezra Levent is not here today. I know you're used to seeing the big boss man on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but I'm sorry. He is too busy with some other very important details, folks. So you'll have to, uh, well, you have to make do with the B team. That would be me, David <laughs> Menzies, and my lovely co-host, the she-devil with a sword, the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. That would be Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great. And just for everybody watching, the reason we are slightly late today, has it's a me problem. Not a Justin problem and not a TriCaster problem. I was having technical problems and it looks as though I still might be having them because it looks like my Skype is lagging a little bit. Um, but we'll get through the day. We're going to get through it, David, because uh, we have to deliver to the people what they're here for. And that's the Rebel Daily News live stream. Well, let me tell you, Sheila, there are Justin problems. There are TriCaster problems. One of which is I can't see you today for some reason. I'm looking into a blank TV screen. Our train broadcast professional is working on that right now. He threw his hands up. I don't know why, but uh, we will make do. I can still hear your lovely voice at least. You know, there's a lot going on. There are, lot, there are a lot of problems. I can't hear Justin either. Um, so I guess we have to play like telephone, telegraph, tell Sheila. Justin will whisper it in your ear and then you'll have to tell me whatever secrets he whispers to you live on air. Um, but we should tell everybody what we're doing here, what we're attempting to do here. This is the Rebel Daily News live stream. It airs Monday through Friday at noon Eastern, 10 a.m. Uh, out here in God's country in Alberta, 9 Pacific. Um, and uh, I don't even know the platforms we're streaming on today, so I'm just going to assume that all is well and we'll, we're streaming on the platforms that we normally stream on. So um, uh, to give you a little history about the live stream, the live stream used to just be on Friday, just hosted by Ezra. The pandemic struck. We couldn't travel anywhere, but there seemed to be more news than ever, despite what CBC would have you believe. So we thought, why don't we sit down and talk to our viewers who are, uh, unfortunately, many of you were home off work because the government closed your jobs and your businesses. And we thought, let's sit down, let's have a chit chat with them every day for an hour, which was great for us. And I really like it because I stay connected to the office that way. Although I feel very disconnected from the office right now because I can't hear Justin in my ear. Um, and so initially we were streaming on YouTube. And it was a great way for us to make money, interact with our people. Um, they, could, they used to be able to support us through something called a super chat. But then YouTube uh, became a complete and total censorship platform yeah. instead of just a partial censorship platform. Demonetized us, took $400,000 right out of the uh, middle of the company. But... At Rebel News, we are, if anything, resilient and early adopters of good ideas. So we moved to Plan B through Z, and now we stream not only on the censorship platform of YouTube, uh, mostly for spite. They don't want us there, so we're going to stay there. But we do also don't want to abandon the 1.5 million subscribers that we have there. But if you are watching us on YouTube, let me make the suggestion that I make every time that I'm on air. Take an off-ramp to another platform that doesn't uh, dislike you to a platform that really doesn't care about your politics. And so that's why, even though we're streaming on YouTube, we also stream over on um, Rumble, which is a great 
free speechy platform. We also stream on Odyssey. And on Odyssey, you can support us in a, a similar way that you used to support us over on YouTube. Um, you can leave us something called a hyper chat on Odyssey. You have to buy some of their library cryptocurrency. Don't understand cryptocurrency. It's on my list of things to learn along with Latin. Um, but you can buy some of their library cryptocurrency. You can uh, donate it to us in the form of a hyper chat. We'll read your hyper chat on there. You can also tip us as a creator on Odyssey. And we are also streaming over on SuperU, which is an incredible free speech platform. And again, you can tip us as a creator over on SuperU and you can interact with each other on those other platforms too. So all the things that you like about YouTube, the ease of interaction with each other, the community building, you can do that on platforms that don't hate your guts. And I think I've checked all the boxes there. I think you did, Sheila. And I'm with you with cryptocurrency. And you know, the funny thing is, the more I read about cryptocurrency and the more I research it, I gotta be honest, the, the less, less I, I understand, understand it. <laughs> I just can't get my head around it. Uh, I'm assuming uh, it's legit and uh, well, you know, the world moves on. Uh, then again, I'm the guy still buying DVDs. Uh, so uh, who yeah. am I to talk about uh, modern ways? Well, Sheila, a whole raft of topics. I see the very first one is about Toronto Mayor John Tory. It's described as he's in a creepy TikTok. Gracious, <laughs> what's that about? Let's check it out. If you've received your first or second dose of vaccine, keep scrolling. But if you haven't received your vaccine, your first or your second dose, what are you waiting for? It's proven to be safe and effective, and it will help put this pandemic behind us. And I promise, if you go and get your first and your second vaccine, I'll stop doing TikToks on COVID-19. What did we just see there, Sheila? I mean, you know, another nail in the coffin, at least as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to having John Tory as perhaps the worst mayor in the history of Toronto. And considering that history includes such duds as John Sewell and David Miller, that is one heck of a dubious achievement. What did you make of that? Why do young people teach their grandparents how to use cell phones? That's what I want. Because the, the whole time I'm looking at that and thinking, you know what? The grandkids shouldn't have taught him how to use his cell phone, or maybe the grandkids need to intervene. I don't know what's happening there, but he's got somebody. The thing that breaks my heart about the elder abuse that is John Tory um, <laughs> is that he's got staff standing there on the other side of that cell phone filming the TikTok, and not a single one of them was like, you know what, John the salons are open, so let's get you a haircut. <laughs> and secondarily, um, you're you're not coming across as cool. You're coming across as creepy. And he that whis the whispering just makes my skin crawl. I don't know what it is. The whispering old like man with a strange haircut. Uh, he's turning into Howard Hughes, like not cutting his hair with weird behavior. He's probably wearing Kleenex boxes on his shoes. That's what I'm getting from John Tory. Also, why is he threatening people to get the vaccine dose? Like that's, I, his whispering is so creepy that I'm actually considering. Like, yeah. like will it, he stop? Will he stop? 
because well, I'll get it if he just stops. <laughs> maybe that's the uh, ultimate strategy, Sheila. Yeah, with the whispering, <clears throat> I'm wondering, is he channeling Joe Biden? Because he's been doing that kind of nonsense too. And I I, I, I know there's this, there's this thing, it, I, I think it's like a, a fetish thing where there's people that whisper things and um, oh. it, it, it has, um, I think, an acronym or an initial gram to describe it. I, I, I can't remember. I don't get A-S-M-R. it. ASMR. That's it. Thank you, Sheila. ASMR. I don't get it. Um, can you just speak clearly? You know, can you just take the, the marbles out of your mouth and uh, enunciate properly? So I don't know why the likes of... Um, Tory and Biden are doing the whispering thing unless they're into that AMSR. Secondly, on the haircut, you know, for a couple of weeks now, the barbers have been open, Sheila. And you know what my theory is? Is Mayor Tory can't find a barber to cut his hair. If you were a oh. barber, oh, well, Sheila, mm -hmm. if you had, you know, Sheila's beauty spa here in Hogtown uh, and the, these governments and health bureaucrats had made you shut down and almost force you out of business or even put you out of business, why would you want to give this yeah. executioner a haircut? Although I will say this, barbers of Toronto make my dream come true. Volunteer to, you know, one of you to cut John Tory's hair. And then you know what you do? Once he's seated there, he is a sitting duck. Take out the clippers, take out the shaver, and make a complete atrocious mess of his hair. Just make it the worst haircut in barbering history. And say to him, you know what, Mayor? I did this because this is what you did to my business. This is you you made me lay off people. You made me go get a line of credit to to pay the mortgage. And uh you almost vanquished me, so I vanquished your hair. Wouldn't that be so beautiful to see, Sheila? I'm not convinced that that hasn't already happened. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the worst thing we can say about that. Well, listen, oh, um, that would be my way of protesting. But why don't we go from that kind of a protest to something that happened a week ago Saturday. Uh, we reported uh, in um, nor just north of Sterling, a township in Ontario, the Harold Quarry, for almost a century, used to allow people to swim, farmers to get their water, the fire department to get its water there. And then based on allegedly an insurance claim that this was a liability issue, this town spent almost $50,000 of taxpayer money uh, to fence off the quarry, uh, not just uh, with a fence folks, but with barbed wire on top of it. Um, but you know what? I love the residents of Sterling because it'll take more than a fence to, to prevent <laughs> them from going, from going for a swim on a hot July day. Check it out. Women protesters now by uh, taking part in an egregious act of rebellion, uh, which is climbing up this ladder and then going down that ladder. Uh, talk about necessity being the mother of invention when people want to go swimming on a hot summer day. It'll take more than this $50,000 barbed wire fence to prevent them from doing so. You know, it's kind of funny if 
fencing off this quarry to swimmers was all in the name of safety. When you think of it, forcing people who want to swim, climbing up two ladders, that's probably the unsafest thing about this quarry in the first place. I mean, if someone falls off a ladder, the ladder gives way. I don't think that's going to happen. It's nicely tethered here. But uh, isn't that kind of the opposite of what council is trying to do here? Bizarre. Hi, ma'am. What brings you out to this swim-in protest? We were actually just passing by and I was told there was a protest, so we thought we'd lend our support. So you're more of a fan of protests as opposed to swimming, I guess. I used to swim here like 35 years ago, every day oh, with my family. Right, eh? Yeah. My name is Gary Kite. I am Gary a Sterling Rodden Township taxpayer. Okay. And I've been coming here for 51 years with my kids, with my grandkids, and myself, and my whole family. Why they did this, I have no idea. Talk about not asking the people what they want or what they need. Maybe they should go back through their old systems as well. Their principal for the Sterling schools used to fish in here with his 12-foot aluminum boat. His name was Ed Fleming, well-respected, Springbrook Sterling. I don't know why they did this. Uh, I'm not 100% sure why. I've never really heard anything uh, on, other than Facebook has said the insurance for the town has went up, yeah. is, is hearsay, but, but we, they, we ne they never officially said anything. And tell me, do you think there's any hope in the near or far future of this council reversing its decision, um, at least opening up the gate so that people don't have to bring ladders so that they can enjoy swimming here again? I don't know if, that was, if it's going to be soon, but first off, why would you do something without consult? Two, why would you put in a, something that you're going to class as a legal thing without a bylaw to begin with? And then three, like I say, what harm is it doing? The most harm is going to come from when somebody falls off that fence, falls off that gate, or if my property burns down because they have to unlock five locks or four locks in order oh, to get That's right. It. That's the fire department, that's right? That's the fire department. Yeah. Okay. Who's to say that the guy that's here first knows exactly how to unlock this gate? So, sir, um, if I were to poll the residents in the community, is this a popular decision or because I'm getting the sense that the vast majority of people hate what's happened here? I think it's a whim. It didn't it wasn't a decision. It was, oh, let's take it and go ahead. Let's not go. We were never spoke to as a person of the township of the village. It was just something that came out. My understanding is it was conversation between one or two councillors and maybe the mayor, but I know the mayor knows everything about it, apparently. So therefore, why wasn't it taken through the proper steps? Why was it just done on a whim? Hi, Indy. <laughs> Do you have any hope that... You know, Sheila, I just love those people and I love their yep. creative solution uh, and a safe solution, I must say, for getting over that barbed wire fence. You know, the rumor, Sheila, is that the township is considering doubling down and uh, spending more money to make a higher barbed wire fence. That's okay. They, uh, I was told by the protesters they've got bigger ladders. So, you know, it is yeah. just madness. And I, I just want to put out one thing. Um, they've been doing this on a semi-regular basis, typically on a weekend. Uh, typically, if the, the sun is out and it's a hot day, uh, they're going for a swim. 
Uh, a couple of times the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, did drop by. Uh, they only got a lecture. They didn't get any tickets. But here's the thing, Sheila. These protesters are begging the cops for a ticket. They want to go to court to challenge this because there's a feeling that this is not legal, what's happened, that this quarry, uh, whoever owned it originally, bequeathed it to the uh, people of the township to use on a hot summer day or on a cold winter day when people would go ice skating here. And it was never meant to be taken away. So, um, but the police will not cooperate. They will not give out any trespassing tickets or other such tickets. What do you make of that? You know, it just goes to show you, like, even after you're long gone, even if you try to do something benevolent, and the problem is, if you leave government in charge of whatever benevolence you want to bequeath to your community, government will always, always, always screw it up and take control. I really like that one lady, though, where she's like, I heard there was a protest, show, so I showed up to protest. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, yeah, lady. <laughs> like, she reminded like, me of you, did- Sheila. <laughs> well, yeah, she's like, I heard people didn't like the government, so here I am. I'm like, yeah, yes, lady. <laughs> oh, great. Do you know, I wonder, you know, Sheila, I suppose there's no real way of knowing this. Uh, we can Google it, I suppose. But the more I think of this, this must be a unique thing in the world. The idea that there was a quarry of almost a century old with a swim hole in which the local politicians, without any consultation, uh, threw up a barbed wire fence. Uh, like, name a country, name a region. Is this a thing? Is this wholly unique uh, to the township of uh, Sterling Rodden? I've never heard of such a thing ever happening before. But I, if it were to happen somewhere on the face of the earth, that it happened in Doug Ford's authoritarian <laughs> Ontario is absolutely no surprise to me. And I love all those people where they're, the government's like, well, that's how you get a bigger fence. And they're like, well, that's how you get bigger ladders. Like, I just, I really like them. And I'm just a little bit sad because I was sort of expecting one of those like old timey swimsuits from you, like striped. <laughs> For like the onesie with the legs and the like attached shirt. Um, that's kind of what I was expecting from you. And I'm sad I didn't see it. Well, uh, this Sheila, is one, time, one time where I would okay a costume. Uh, I'll, I'll go to Bikini Village and uh, check out the, uh, the the male swimwear to see if that ancient swimwear is still put in stock. And if we go back, I'll uh, I'll try to make your dreams such as they are come true. But um, I, again, um, what we have here, Sheila, is a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. When I interviewed another yep. town resident, he said he understood that the the insurance went up 25% for the township's library. And he said facetiously, um, do we put a barbed wire fence around the library because it's too dangerous? And hey, you know, Sheila, I'll tell you, you know, you're looking for a book and maybe the Encyclopedia Britannica is on the top shelf and there's a, an earth tremor and it falls on your head. Going to the library could be a, a dangerous thing. You might get a concussion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's all those books in there that might hurt somebody's feelings. Um, so let's just fence them off. Fence them off. Uh, I, I can't communicate with Justin, but my Skype feed is completely frozen. Oh, However... No. 
out of the corner of my eye, I can see um, the YouTube feed is still going, so that's okay, but it's on a delay. So if we're talking about something that's on screen, I won't know what it is. I just, oh, okay. I'll would just, that, I'll would just that include any chats coming in then, Sheila? Or, uh... Uh, no, chats are fine because um, that's coming in on um, WhatsApp, so I can read those, but I Fantastic. just can't see like any video or anything that we're talking about. It's It's just, I'll just make do. It's fine. It's gotcha. fine. I watch everything at the network anyway, so it doesn't matter. Okay, then. Well, if you want to fire away with some of those chats, go. Yeah, let's Sally do forth. it. Sally Forth. Does anyone ever <laughs> say got... that anymore? <laughs> no, forth. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I just figured it was something you read in a comic book once, and I wasn't going to pick on you for it. <laughs> We've got a Super U tip from, I think this is John Yoka otherwise known as John Yoga, J Yoga Retnam, tipped us $2. Well, heck, thank you very much, uh, supposed John Yoga. Uh, we've got a super you shout from uh, John Yoga Retnam. Why does Sheila like Latin? Any updates on John Tory? Is it Tory? Uh, I want to learn Latin um, uh, so that I can participate in the Latin mass in a more fulsome manner. Um, frankly, that's probably the, the major reason why I want to learn it. Um, any updates on Tory with regard to what? David, do you have updates on John Tory? I think we just saw his latest update. That's an update on his declining mental state, I think. Yeah. Um, and also, I can tell you um, the scandal of the century involving this city, Sheila, and it's starting to get some publicity, is that they have quietly accelerated the war on the car. We've probably lost, I don't know, it must be maybe 100, 200 kilometers of road. I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't measured it. But the war on the car has accelerated in terms of yanking live uh, lanes of traffic out and putting bike lanes in that are seldom used, by the way. And by the way, I'm not anti-cyclist. As I've said before, cycling is my I primary <laughs> form of exercise. It's yeah. the reason I'm just fat, folks, as opposed to circus fat. But all my life, even when I used to commute, for six months to work in Toronto. And that's another thing I'll get to. Um, I've always ridden in a live lane of traffic. I don't understand why we have to put up a picket fence to have the cyclists have their own secure lane. My personal theory is this is uh, adults getting back into cycling after 20, 25 years, and they're terrified of the traffic. But the point is these lanes are seldom used. We live in a Northern country. So for Thank at you. least half the year, virtually nobody is using them. And the end result, even when things aren't totally up and running during this pandemic, uh, it is absolute gridlock, uh, including, by the way, uh, Young Street, which is now for a huge uh, portion, Sheila, um, a one lane Congo line where a four minute car trip now takes 20 minutes. Uh, two uh, fire stations are in that um territory. So how do they move around? There's literally no nowhere to go. It, it, it's a it's a health and safety issue. And this has Tory's blessing. And why does it have Tory's blessing? Oh, well, because John Tory's work when he goes to it at City Hall is literally within walking distance of his luxury condo, as mm -hmm. with many other downtown councillors. So they don't care about the great unwashed masses that must commute in from very far in the city. 
And to me, this is a scandal. And, and I think as soon as things get back up to normal, whenever that'll be, most of these new bike lanes are going to be ripped up. But we have a thing, Sheila. We say, oh, it's the University Avenue pilot project. It's the Toronto, uh, the Young Street pilot project. It's the Bloor Street pilot project. Whenever yeah. they say that, that means no, it's not a pilot project. It is here to stay. And as a result, the city is being choked by gridlock. And, you know, I'm going to get letters because I just said that I was anti-cyclist, but I'm, <laughs> I'm anti, I'm not anti-cyclist. I'm anti-expensive cyclist infrastructure that makes absolutely no sense. Exactly. Edmonton does the same thing too. Uh, first of all, cars pay for the roads through gas tax and all those things, right? Like we, so naturally cars should be in charge of the road. That's how I think. Um, but also, um, we are even a more Northern city than Toronto and for, and we are a largely commuter city. Like we, the greater Edmonton area, thank God I I'm saying we, but I don't actually live in it again. Thank God. Um, but you know, like we have all these like little bedroom communities where people live because they don't want to live in Edmonton because it's a socialist cesspit. So they live in these bedroom communities, drive their cars in. And for some reason, the city of Edmonton continues to put in bike lanes that nobody uses, which then cause traffic snarls because people are not going to ride their bike the 20 kilometers in from their bedroom community in the winter. And then the city ends up ripping them up. And it's just cost and cost yeah. and cost and cost put them in take them out put them in take them out reminds me of that michael scott uh office episode where he got a vasectomy didn't get a vasectomy undid the vasectomy like that's what it is with bike lanes put them in take them out put one over there dig it up i mean it just doesn't make any sense they keep doing it over and over and over again oh if only they would take them out the only bike lane i remember being taken out was when rob ford the late great rob ford took out the debacle on jarvis street but when they go in in this city with this new regime, they are in for good. And by the way, two things, Sheila. First of all, even the socialists in Edmonton that are all pro-bike lane, um, what happens even if they have to cycle just three, four kilometers to the local IKEA and uh, pick up uh, a new ensemble? How do they put that on the back of their bike? No, they can't do it. Of course they can't. And secondly, you mentioned the gas taxes, right? I think gas taxes are probably, what, more than a third of the cost of a liter of gasoline for Canadians. And if you recall going back, you know, yesterday, the ostensible policy reason of those gas taxes were the maintenance of roads and the building of new roads and highways. Yeah. Guess what happened? All those gas taxes today, they go into that nebulous black hole called general revenues, they're not being used for the maintenance no. of roads and the building of new roads. They're being used for whatever the progressives deem they want that money to use. So motorists, contrary to popular belief, pay more than their fair share for these roads and yeah. always have been. And yet um, little pet projects uh, such as Comrade Tory's uh, bike lane debacle, that's where the money is going. Not building new roads, but strangling the existing roads. It's absolutely yep. egregious. Well, and I don't think these people are so much pro-bike as they are anti-car. 
And they're anti-car because of this bizarre climate change agenda that they tell me that my comfortable Jeep is ruining the environment. So that's what I think it is. And and by then, a consequence of that, they everybody must ride a bike. Even me, when I'm supposed to have a kid at rugby and then also be downtown covering a protest at the exact same time. Somehow I'm supposed to do that with a bike. Um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. It makes sense in Europe where everything is either really close together or there's trains connecting everything. Um, in cities that were that existed before cars did. But there aren't really cities in Alberta that existed before cars did. It's just not how it is. Like, not really. I mean, there were, there were settlements, but not major municipalities. They grew with the growth of the car. And somehow these progressives just want to rewrite history, I think. And they want Canada to be something that we just aren't. And, and you know, and, and maybe Mr. Producer can find a photo of this if he's able to, because he's so uh, good at that. What kills me is when I see Toronto Transit Commission uh, buses with bike racks on the front of the bus. I never understood this, Sheila, because if you've got a bike, why are you bringing your bike to a public transit bus and putting it, having the bus carry the bike while you sit inside a motorized carbon spewing vehicle? Like, what is that? I could understand it. If your bike got a flat tire and you got to haul it back by public transit, but that's not the case. I see, like, is this the ultimate form of virtue signaling? Uh, my yes. neighbors will see me leave my house in my bicycle going to yeah. work and they'll go, oh, look at Jimmy. He's, he's so conscientious. You know, Greta Thunberg gives a big thumbs up. And then the moment I get to a major artery, put my bike on a bus and then commute the rest of the distance yeah. and then just cycle that last half kilometer home at the end of work and make everyone think I'm saving the planet by being a, uh, a zero emissions commuter. Uh, what's your take on this? Did that, someone just run the guitar in my ear? It <laughs> sounded like I heard a guitar too. <laughs> I can't see it, but I mean, Justin's already celebrating himself for some reason. Yeah, the, with the cyclists and their virtue signaling, again, don't send me letters. I'm not anti-cyclist. I'm anti-bike infrastructure. Um, you know, like they wear their little spandex shorts, the padded ones, down to the bus stop. And so, so like everybody else in their life thinks, oh, yeah, no, you can tell by their outfit that they totally mean it. But they're just literally wearing those padded shorts to get down to the bus stop to well, show off. I, I wear those padded shorts too, Sheila, but it's for like 40 and I don't want to think rides. about that. <laughs> anyway. No, David, well, no, David. <laughs> they're, they're functional. What can I tell you? Um, well, I bet they are. I bet they are. <laughs> going from Toronto bike paths to what's happening in your neck of the woods, I see we have a topic here. Alberta NDP events at Stampede. Oh, I bet the NDP, they're such fun burglars at something like the Calgary Stampede. Let's check it out. Adam Sos here for Rebel News, and we are in Calgary, Alberta, where the Stampede is in full swing, including a number of NDP events, which is somewhat troubling because the NDP themselves were questioning whether the Calgary Stampede should be cancelled altogether. They were also calling for an extension to the lockdowns. However, when the opportunity to campaign calls, politicians simply cannot resist. So they are running 11 events throughout Stampede. 
We're gonna pop into one of them, see if we can have a word with Rachel Notley. Joe, Joe CC, maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's not a media event. It's an event with volunteers. Yeah. It's all party faithful. I'm gonna give you my card. Sure. I think I think that none of them are gonna want to. I'll certainly ask them when they sure. get here, but I think you're gonna waste your time. Not long after our arrival here, we were approached by the NDP Chief of Staff Jeremy Nolay, who was asking what we were doing here. We explained quite simply that we're the news and we're covering this story. He was a little apprehensive at first, but he did say that he was going to attempt to reach out and see if someone would speak with us. It remains to be seen if someone will. There are only about 40 people at this event. It's a significantly downscaled event compared to what we've seen from the UCP Stampede Breakfasts and such events. <laughs> yeah, I talked to all the ones that are here. None of them want to talk to you tonight. Okay. I talked to Rachel, she doesn't want to talk to you tonight either. Okay. I'm not saying never. Mm -hmm. I'm saying if we have a bunch more events like this or yeah. interactions like this, I could see it happening in the yeah. future. We've seen the crowd begin to grow a little bit here, but there's still no more than 50 or so people. We have to head to our next story. We spoke once again with Chief of Staff Jeremy Nolay, asking if any MLAs would be willing to speak with us. There are very few in attendance. More are apparently arriving as the event goes on, but it speaks to a broader problem in culture and society. Whether on the federal, provincial, or municipal levels, politicians across all parties feel as though they don't need to answer questions, particularly when we look at Justin Trudeau's recent interaction with our reporter Drea Humphreys. But it extends throughout all parties. They feel that they don't have to face the media, don't have to face their voters, and that they don't have to answer questions. And that needs to change. If a party actually becomes transparent and actually takes questions, not just from a select few, but from all media outlets, whether they agree with them or not, they are going to garner a lot of favor among voters. We're hoping that some of these politicians will step up and answer our tough questions. I want to thank you all for tuning in. For Rebel News, I'm Adam Sos. Wow, Sheila, so much to unpack there. But what Adam said at the <laughs> beginning, <laughs> what Adam said at the beginning, Sheila, this business that the NDP is pro-cancel the Calgary Stampede. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you had a referendum on that issue in your province, how would that go? Um, it is the first major event since reopening. Uh, they're not going to take the stampede away from us. They canceled it last year. It, people are eager to go. Um, I, I mean, it's insane. But yeah, the <laughs> the the NDP were so scared of the stampede going forward, right? Like it, it it's going to cause a major outbreak and everybody's going to die in the province and the healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed. They were so scared that they held at least 11 events. <laughs> during stampede and when i was watching adam's video i was like hey i know that i know that person that's ndp mla janice Irwin, not social distancing and <laughs> hugging somebody who wasn't wearing a mask i was like boys slow the video down wow. we need to make sure that that's indicated on screen that this person who wanted to cancel a major multi-million dollar revenue generator for the city of Calgary that is so desperately in need of it and Albertans who are just so desperately in need of the whole pandemic affair being over. They wanted to cancel that because it was too dangerous. And there they are. They don't believe their own garbage. Obviously, they wouldn't hold 11 events if they believe their own garbage. But secondarily, they're just loving up on people, no masks, hugging them all, just thinking that no, everybody there is going to be an NDP fan girl or boy, or they or them. And so they just didn't realize that we would catch them doing something like that on camera. 
or they simply don't care. Uh, Sheila, they are yeah. just so abusive of their position. But but also, I love the attendance, you know, Adam reported about 40 <laughs> people, and then it grew to 50 people. So I guess if you're the NDP, you could spin it uh, that within an hour, attendance grew by 25%. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and the idea, too, that you know, your elected officials or want to be elected officials and you won't answer questions. Um, to me, that's cowardice, Sheila. Come on, face yeah. the music. Pol politics is all about talking. Politics is all about communicating. And even if it is a hostile question, uh, a prickly question, you should have the cojones to answer those questions. But no, they're just, uh, they kind of remind me of the counselors at uh, Sterling Rodden. We're just gonna put up a $50,000 barbed wire uh, fence and deprive you of the swimming pool because we can, so there. Mm. And, um, but anyways, I, I, I just, I would have more respect for them even though uh, their ideology is contrary to just about everything I believe in if they were to come to Adam and say, okay, fire away and have a little debate. But I guess, well, these are the proponents of cancel culture, aren't they, Sheila? Yeah, I may have poisoned the well a little bit there. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with two books, um, a highly critical of the NDP, and then Jeremy Nolay. I'm actually quite surprised he even talked to Adam since after the NDP lost the election, I probably spent six months intermittently sending him the careers at rbs.ca uh, link. Oh. Be <laughs> because what do you have against Arby's, by the way? <laughs> that's why I stopped sending it. I was like, that's not fair to Arby's. Um, <laughs> but yeah, after the NDP lost the election, he was sort of out of a job, um, which I mean... I was just trying to help him find a job because, you know, like I wanted him to have some empathy for all the Albertans the NDP put out of work with their bad ideas. So I was helping him by sending him the application link for Arby's restaurants. But then I stopped because I'm like, you know what? No, no, that's unfair to Arby's. So I stopped. So <laughs> anyway, I'm sort of surprised that he um, they even talked to Adam at all. But um the NDP shouldn't think for a second that we believe that they will ever let us talk to them when they're like, oh, you know, like more interactions like this. Um, we'll talk to you next time. No, we know you're not going to talk to us, but that doesn't mean that we're going to stop trying to talk to you. And uh, we might just catch you off guard, NDP. So sleep with one eye open. And, and by the way, Sheila, how was the stampede this year? I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understood there was no chuck wagon races. And isn't that the marquee event of the stampede? Yeah, there were no chuck wagon races. However, um, the the chuck wagon association organized an event just outside of Calgary in High River. So, a major chuck wagon event still went ahead just outside of Calgary city limits. Um, Adam's got some videos coming out about um, the stampede. He sort of went to the stampede grounds, did some streeters, asked some questions. Um, for Albertans so that we can sort of compare what it's like year over year this year, post pandemic last year, we didn't have one. So our, our benchmark really would be sort of two years for, ago. Um, and so if anybody wants to see what the new stampede this year was like, like the new normal stampede, stay tuned because Adam's got some videos coming out about that. Well, 
you know, on the plus side, at least you or at least the people of Calgary got a stampede here in Toronto. The Canadian National Exhibition for the second year in a row because of COVID is being canceled. And, you know, this was this is something that goes back more than 125 years, Sheila, and used to only get canceled when things would happen like, oh, World War Two, perhaps. Right. But um, right. Uh, evidently, it's far too dangerous. I, again, another nail in the coffin for me in terms of declaring uh, Mayor John Tory, the worst mayor in Toronto's history. It's such a shame. And there's actually speculation that the CNE might not even survive a second uh, closure. So that is an absolute disgrace. I have fond memories of the CNE going back when I was a kid, going to you know, the, the games, the rides, the buildings. And uh, funny how government can do to a, you know, a fair what even a world war couldn't do, uh, potentially kill it uh, uh, outright. It, it's just a shame. Governments are the most destructive things on the face of the earth. They really are. Um, I want to, since we're talking about how horrible Ontario is for a second here, <laughs> I want to touch on this story uh, for a couple of different reasons, but also because it is in the title of the live stream on YouTube. So I try to get to those things. Otherwise, I get emails. So um, it's about basically a yellow pages for um, businesses that require vaccine passports for their customers, or at least um, where the staff are fully vaccinated. So um, I I saw Ezra tweeted it out in, uh, the story is in CBC, and CBC tweets it out like it is just the best idea. Hey, everybody, look at this. But <laughs> Of course they would. <laughs> for me, I'm like, okay, this is a great place where I know not to go because I realize that they're not only victimizing their former customers, yeah. but their staff too. Yeah. And so it's a new website that aims to help Ontarians by listing, what a hard word to say, Ontarians, by listing businesses that require <laughs> proof of vaccination. Safe to do has drawn its share of online hate, says Toronto lawyer who created the website and Ezra rightly puts out, well, I hope he's a lawyer because he's going to need some of that insurance that lawyers have to buy to probably get him through all the human rights violations he's listing here. Um, Brandon Metallo, a Toronto lawyer, works mostly in commercial litigation on a freelance basis, created the website Safe to Do. It went live last week um, and the Twitter account ad announces new additions to the website. I think people are cautiously optimistic entering into this third stage in Ontario. I think they appreciate having this information. People have different risk tolerances. I just wanted to make the information available. Sure, yeah. So people can make decisions within their own individual risk tolerances. So um, he, he says the idea for the website arose because he wanted to find a gym that had vaccination requirements for staff and customers. Mm. It, just gross. It wasn't meant as anything political. Give me a break. So um, some people who messaged him threatened to target the businesses on the list, saying they would not patronize them and would give them bad reviews online. Well, that's what happens. Um, how about just let restaurants be open? Yeah. And gyms be open. And if you're too scared to leave your house um, without knowing the medical status of everybody around you, you stay home, but do not encourage businesses and restaurants to violate the human rights of their staff 
and their customers be able to patronize their businesses. What's next? You want to know if people have HIV before they can come into your gym? Sure. Why not? Right? No, you're absolutely right, Sheila. Um, and uh, I'm just going to tease. I have a, a, a video upcoming about this, folks. Um, and I think it speaks to Sheila's point that a lot of these businesses demanding uh, people are double vaxxed uh, might have buyer's remorse given the blowback. Uh, last week, there was a uh, establishment called the, the Moonshine Cafe in Oakville, Ontario. And they made the popular press uh, because they put out a policy on their social media platforms. Uh, no jabs, no tabs, meaning if you're not double vaccinated, you don't get into this cafe. Now, I reached out and I talked to John, uh, the co-owner with his wife of the Moonshine Cafe. I think John's a really good guy that made a really dumb decision. And uh, basically, he told me he polled his regular customers. Is this a good idea? And they all put thumbs up. Well... <laughs> In the social media universe, uh, Sheila, uh, you're going literally around the world. And um, the blowback they got on this, uh, I was to go this Saturday, a couple of days ago, uh, to the Moonshine Cafe because there was going to be a demonstration outside of it. On Friday night, John did the right thing and good on him for doing it. He rescinded the double jab um, policy. So everybody is now welcome. And I think that's this is win-win, Sheila, and I'll, I'll tell you why. First of yeah. all, um, you're right. It, it's like asking people their history of uh, sexually transmitted diseases. It, it's not your business. And whatever happened yeah. to my body, my choice, which the progressives always talk about in terms of the abortion debate. And secondly, for John and his wife, the owners of the um, Moonshine Cafe, uh, you need as much business as you can get especially after yeah. what government and bureaucracy tried to do to you. I don't think anyone right now is in a position of uh, you're not worthy to have a burger here. So um, you have now made yourself available to everyone. And if there's somebody out there that says, oh, I can't go to a place that allows unvaccinated people. Well, you know what? Kindly heed the advice of Premier Ford. Go into your basement and bake a cherry cheesecake by yourself. Uh, don't spread your fear virus uh, out into the community. We want to get back to normal. So um, I think that was good on John and, and, and good on the protesters, Sheila. They called off the demonstration because that's the ultimate victory, isn't it? If you can win a battle without firing a single bullet, that's fantastic. Well, and, it, you know, if the business owner learns a lesson um, without having to have his business completely destroyed. Um, that's good. I'm happy about that. I go out there proselytizing the good news of conservatism and smaller government. And so when people come around, uh, I can't hold it against them. I have to be happy that they had that moment of clarity and that they have an open mind. Um, but, you know, I was talking, this reminds me of when I was talking to tattoo artists um, who were closed during the pandemic by the stroke of a pen of a health bureaucrat somewhere. And they said, we've learned how to deal with the HIV outbreak. Um, and we've learned how to deal with the alphabet soup of hepatitis mm. and all kinds of other bloodborne illnesses. We've figured that out. And secondarily, we don't have a right to ask our customers when they come in if they have it. We have to operate under the assumption that everybody has it because that's the safest way to be. And so for this entire industry who who deal with broken skin and blood, for them to have figured out a way to safely deal with customers in the time of the pandemic, um, and, and they've done that consistently, 
and they could not ask their customers, hey, have you been vaccinated? Hey, do you have do you have HIV? They can't ask about HIV and hepatitis. Why are we letting the local Taco Bell or whatever the heck ask us about whether or not we've had a vaccine? For the coronavirus it makes absolutely no sense but again the greater problem with this whole pandemic is that privacy doesn't exist anymore we have total weirdos on the internet asking other people if they've been vaccinated before you can even go get a burger somewhere or have a beer because you're dying to patronize a small business to help them stay open the small business says to you mm, have you had a vaccine have yeah. you had a mind your own damn business? How's that? You know, like what happened to decency anymore? It is completely gone. No, good point, Sheila. And the other thing, too, is the hypocrisy and the cowardice of government. You see premiers, you yeah. see Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Oh, no, we're not going to require a vaccine passport. But they're hoping the private sector organically will require these vaccine passports. And I think I have some proof of that. Good Life Fitness, I think that's Canada's largest fitness yep. chain, they tweeted out uh, three days ago, hey there, at this time we are not planning to require associates or members to be vaccinated to enter our locations. Good on Good Life. But look who weighed in to comment on this. None other than Gerald Butts, uh, Trudeau's best friend and perhaps even puppet master, I would suggest, Sheila. Mm -hmm. And this is what he had to say. Good life is going to regret this. Can you believe this? Who the hell does Gerald Butthead think he is by saying, um, you know, you're going to regret this? And is that a threat? Because we know uh, Gerald Butts has a direct corridor to the uh, to to the power of the federal government here. What, what are you going to do? do? Do what um, the Elections Commission did to our boss, Ezra, by having two ex-RCMP goons ask him why he had the temerity to write a book? Is that what's going to happen? Are there going to be some inspectors going into good life, you know, make things a little tough for them? What do you make of that, Sheila? You know, this all reminds me of um, the difference in the liquor laws in the different provinces. Yeah. So, you know, in Ontario, you have to buy it through the government stores or the agency stores, because if you guys are, if this is left to the private sector, I don't know, society's going to fall apart. Kids are going to be drunk in grade three, whatever. But in Alberta, the private sector does it just fine. Actually, probably even better because they stand to lose a lot uh, if they, uh, if they don't adhere to the liquor laws here. We've got 19 days of full reopening here in Alberta, and we don't have the catastrophic outbreak um, caused by our gyms that Gerald Butts says would happen. Yeah. So it, it's, it's like he thinks that people outside of Ontario can't get news from the rest of the country. You can point at Alberta and say, yeah, their gyms are open. They, we have enough you know, like almost three weeks of lead time to see if there would be a catastrophic outbreak, numbers driving up like crazy. It's just not happening. He thinks you literally cannot get news outside of Toronto to yeah. say, but they're doing it in Alberta and that's not happening. So why, why do you say these sorts of things? He just says them and then moves on. And um, I think that real to how all our media is that he gets to get away with this stuff, attacking these private businesses for making choices on behalf of their customers um 
from a, a position of power. Like, let's not kid ourselves. Gerald Butts may no longer be in government, but he's still pulling the levers of government. And that's a direct threat at good life. Well, this is what I think is terrifying about his tweet. And that is, Sheila, if you or I ran a business and we put on social media uh, anything, um, it doesn't have to be about the vaccinations, but just anything. And Gerald Butts singles out our business and says, Sheila Gunn-Reed, you're going to regret this. And this isn't just some Joe citizen in his living room tweeting this. This is the best friend of the prime minister. And you know how government, if they want you, I mean, we really know since the pandemic, don't we, Sheila, that if government wants to make things difficult for you in terms of shutting you down by hook or by crook, they'll find a way. And for him to send that out, I think that is intimidation. I think it's a veiled threat. And also, Gerald, but if you think uh, double vaccination is the way to go, then why not tell your best friend, Justin Trudeau, to make that some federal law that if you want to go anywhere, uh, yeah, you need a vaccination, but you have to be double jabbed for anything. But they won't do that, especially uh, in front of an election, right? Right. Now we have uh, six minutes left, and we have a bunch of chats oh, to get okay. through. And we didn't even get to this. We didn't even get to the second topic that's listed in the um, <laughs> title of the live stream. Okay, uh, we've got a hyper chat from Binga. Says, "I'm back after my accident." Oh, that's oh, well. Sorry. I'm glad to hear that you're back. Thank you for all your hard work, Rebel Reporter. Shout out to Justin. And I, I, sorry, Justin, I can't see if you shouted yourself out because my Skype feed froze like seven minutes into the show. Um, we've got a super you from Devil's Advocate. Looks like whispering is another side effects side effect of the vax. Yeah, don't, what a creep show that guy is. Whispering like a weirdo and giving out free ice cream to kids um, in parks. It's just not a good look. Like the things are adding up. Like don't do things that if you put them all together look really creepy and that's what he's doing uh we've got a hyper chat from rebecca henderson give me a time i'm in a place i'd love to go for a swim and i'm good at climbing ladders too (laughs) well usually rebecca if it's a sunny saturday um they'll be there doing their swimming protest but i think they might have a a facebook group group uh or some other social media so just um you know, put that in the search and uh, find out if the uh, swim in protest is on. Um, it looks like I missed a bunch of chats right off the top Uh-oh. here, too. But yeah, we've got a super you from Bird Dog. Hi, what a nice surprise to see David and Sheila on a smoky Monday morning. <laughs> it is so smoky in Alberta. Things just come over the mountains and then just settle in. So fires in BC, we're like, Air quality is a disaster. Uh, visibility is way terrible. Like, it's just really bad. And same thing, fires in Saskatchewan, smoke us out. Happens all the time. Um, we've got an odyssey from Celtic Mutt. Good morning, Rebels. Question, what is Zed? Does she mean Z? I'm speaking the Queen's English, and we say Zed. Um, Americans say Z. Um, we also put extra vowels in words like neighborhood and favorite and color um it's just for fun you know what sheila i've always wondered about the origin of the zz thing because it's not just in canada that we say zed um any english-speaking country ireland england scotland wales new zealand australia it's all zed and somehow it became z 
south of the border. Like, how did that happen even? I don't know. That's a good thing for me to research instead of learning about uh, cryptocurrency. It's a good thing to distract me. I'm like, should I learn about cryptocurrency or YZ became the preferred American pronunciation? Yeah. I'll look that up. Uh, we've got a hyper chat from Rossi saying there's no free speech on Rumble. I have found 16 words in one phrase so far that you can't say on Rumble. Oh. I think it's mostly swearing. Okay, well, um, I don't know. I, to behave yourself over there, I guess. But I mean, they're they're not censoring. They're not censoring videos, um, and we're allowed to say things. Um, we're allowed to question the science around the pandemic and the pandemic restrictions over on Rumble, and that's definitely something that we can't do on YouTube. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that caught us up. But we've got a John, uh, a super you from John Yoga. He means access to information. Um, okay, uh, and he tipped us two dollars. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Um, uh, we've got MVP from rumble says bike lanes only increase congestion. Yes. Thank you. Yes. And I don't like to drive in the city. So in our like sleepy little, um, suburb communities that I like to Fort, Fort Saskatchewan, Sherwood park, we don't really have bike lanes because everybody drives, but you get to the city and things get real bunged up real fast. Once you hit those bike lanes. Oh, and Sheila, to MVP's point, it's not just the congestion. It's not just the adding of time. And I told you that um, journalist uh, had an example of a four-minute trip is now a 20-minute trip on Young Street. But when you are in gridlocked, your engine is idling. Those are the very worst emissions to come out of an engine. Uh, typically, you want an engine running at a highway speed. That would be the lowest emissions. So these greenies on council are actually worsening the air condition, uh, the, the air conditions of Toronto. Uh, let's keep going. We've got a hyper chat from Chuck Silver. Food shortage is coming. I don't know. I grow a lot of my own food. I'm going to be just fine. You city people might be in for a wild ride. Um, you know what? I was talking about this the other day. We are experiencing experiencing a major, major drought in Alberta. We actually had the agronomists out last week to examine um, some of the crop we seeded down this year. It looks like there's gonna we're going to have major losses. Um, and there's no pasture land. Like the grass feels like AstroTurf. Oof. And so it's brown, just it hurts your feet. And so there's no pasture, there's no hay. Like we got one cut of hay, that's it. And so think about that what that's going to do to your beef prices, your food prices, when your grazed land is gone, your there's no, usually when there's no pasture, then you feed hay, but there's going to be no hay this year. And we're going to be buying hay from places that didn't experience a drought, which um, puts that hay price at a premium, which all goes into an input cost into your beef. And that's going to hit everybody across the country. Um, so consider that, um, I have a freezer full of beef, so I'm going to be fine. But just for normal people who buy their meat at the grocery store, it's something you should be on the lookout for. Sheila, isn't Bill Gates one of the biggest, if not the biggest farmer in the U.S. right now in terms of uh, owning farmland? Oh, I don't know, but that wouldn't surprise me at all. These people love to control things, don't they? <laughs> um, you know, so if they get it. If they get in early on the like the food supply, yeah, you would start by buying land, right? Yeah. Uh, Chuck also says, as far as the bike rack on the bus, it is in case you get a flat tire. 
So they you can't just call AMA or CAA <laughs> or whatever. That's weird. Or Uber. Or Uber. Yeah, put it in the trunk of an Uber. Ratchet <laughs> strap it in. Uh, we've got a rumble chat from Randy W. Benoit. If the vax is so great, then why should it matter if people around you are vaxxed or not? Yeah. You know, when when you see people saying, well, if you don't have the vaccine, you should stay at home. I've had the vaccine twice. Um, well, are, aren't those anti-vax talking points? Like if you think your double vax is so great, why do you why do you want to confine the people who aren't to their homes? You should be fine, right? Unless you don't trust it. I, I would assume, Sheila, and I go back, uh, it was a couple months ago where the New York Times front page story where uh, the journalist, uh, the, the crux of the matter was even if 100% vaccination is a thing of life, which it won't be, uh, here's why you should still be wearing your mask. And I thought, what? I, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, here's why you should still wear your mask and still stay home. Um, <laughs> we've got a hyper chat from Rebecca. Hen oh, sorry, we just read that. Uh, oh, yeah, a hyper chat from Rebecca Henderson. The bike rack is like Catherine McKenna riding her bike a few meters, then hopping into her limo. Yes. <laughs> or Chrystia Freeland flying to Montreal, sending her limo on the ground ahead <laughs> to the airport to pick her up from there. And we know she does that be because we got the kilometers from her limos and the dates of the kilometers on her limos and matched it up to her flight logs. And so we know they do that. Sheila, I'll never forget that story of yours. And, you know, and of course, it doesn't. that should have created a media snowball, which it didn't because when we break things, uh, people ignore it. But... The absolute audacity, it, the shamelessness. I mean, if I was an elected official, um, the idea of spending the taxpayer's dollar in such a reckless, selfish way, it would be beyond me. And she thinks there's nothing wrong in doing this. It is disgusting. Yeah. And then looking at me like, oh, we got you got to tax gas more because my comfortable SUV is the yes. problem. And she's sending a limo from toronto or from ottawa to pick her up at the airport in montreal while she's expended the flight co2 plus the co2 for the limo which is not exactly tiny um justin says arby's is the best okay well limit that that's why i, I like arby's I, you know what there's not many in the greater toronto area but i think they make a pretty good roast beef sandwich here i gotta tell you I can take him or leave him. I just didn't want to punish them with the NDP <laughs> chief of staff. <laughs> They've never done anything to me. So that's why I stopped. There you go. I stopped. Yeah. Um, we've got a hyper chat from Patriots for Truth. And he sends us some flames. Uh, we've got a, a super you chat from Devil's Advocate. Says COVID didn't cancel anything. Yeah, I know the government did. We've got a hyper chat from Rebecca Henderson. If I didn't build my own home gym and could afford a good life fitness membership, I would support them solely based on their statement of not discriminating mm -hmm. and minding their own business and respecting medical autonomy and privacy. Yeah, I think that's the going to be the flip side result of that yellow pages, but for people and businesses who force their customers and staff to be vaccinated yes. is that people are going to be like, I check that list before I patronize them to see if the place I wanted to patronize was on the list because then I wouldn't. 
Um, and the last hyper chat so far when we're five minutes over, of course, hyper chat from history club world, history club world, you're late to the game. And he says, happy belated birthday. Sheila follow history club world on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, Friday was my birthday, but I don't, I avoid my birthday because I don't feel like I did anything. I didn't die. So did every other living person on the planet. They didn't die. I, my mom did all the work. And, uh, so before my birthday and probably for like two weeks after I avoid all my friends because they always try to surprise me because they know I'm irritated and uh, I, I just don't care about my birthday. So they'll plan surprise things like, oh, uh, meet me here. I, I have something to give you. And then you show the show up there and there's just a surprise party. And I don't like being the center of attention. So well, anyways. Sheila, happy belated birthday to you from me. Finally, you are of legal drinking age in the United States. That's right. <laughs> so there you go. There's something about twice. getting I'm old. twice the legal <laughs> drinking age. My family pointed that out. They're like, oh, look, you can, you, you can double drink in. In Montana or wherever. <laughs> oh, what a family to point that out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, listen, uh, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. For those who were expecting Ezra to be here, what can I say? No refunds, I suppose. But uh, thank you to my <laughs> co-host, Sheila Gunn-Reed, Mr. Producer, always doing a fantastic job. Thank you for all of you who put a donation our way. We really appreciate it. Guess what? Sheila and I will be back here tomorrow at noon Eastern Standard Time. In the meantime, stay sane.